Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. And if at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Also note that the call is being recorded on Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. And I would like to turn the conference over to Sharon Kadosh, Manager, Investor Relations and Treasury. Please go ahead. Thank you, Sylvie. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our comments will focus on the financial results of our first quarter, which ended on December 18th. With me today is Mr. Eric Laflèche, President and Chief Executive Officer, and François Thibault, Executive VP and Chief Financial Officer. During the call, we will present our first quarter results and comment on its highlights. We will then be happy to take your questions. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that we will use in today's discussion different statements that could be construed as forward-looking information. In general, any statement which does not constitute a historical fact may be deemed as a forward-looking statement. Expressions such as expect, intend, are confident that, will, and other similar expressions are generally indicative of forward-looking statements. The forward-looking statements are based upon certain assumptions regarding, regarding the Canadian food and pharmaceutical industries, the general economy, and our annual budget, as well as our 2021-2022 action plan. These forward-looking statements do not provide any guarantees as to the future performance of the company and are subject to potential risks, known and unknown, as well as uncertainties that could cause the outcome to differ materially. A description of these risks, which could have an impact on these statements, could be found under the risk management section of our 2021 annual report. As with the preceding risk, the COVID-19 pandemic constitutes a risk that could have an impact on the business, operations, projects, synergies, and performance of the company. We believe these statements to be reasonable and pertinent at this time and represent our expectations. The company does not intend to update any forward-looking information except as required by applicable law. I will now turn the call over to Francois. Thank you, Sharon, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. For the quarter, total sales were $4.317 billion, an increase of 0.9% over last year, and 7.1% when compared to the first quarter of 2020. Food same-store sales declined by 1.4% for the quarter, but grew by 8.5% on a two-year basis. Pharma same-store sales were up 7.7%. Our gross margin stood at 19.9% of sales versus 19.7% for the same quarter last year, led by strong performance in pharma. Operating expenses were down 7.4 million year-over-year and represented 10.1% of sales versus 10.4% last year. The lower level of operating expenses is mainly due to a reduction in pandemic-related expenses, which stood at $28 million last year. Operating expenses are up 4% when compared to fiscal 2020. If adopted a quarter, total $424.1 million, up $24.9 million, or 6.2%, when compared to last year's EBITDA. And as a percentage of sales, EBITDA was 9.8%, versus 9.3% last year. 
Adjusted net earnings were $214.2 million compared to $197.7 million last year, an increase of 8.3%, and our adjusted net earnings per share were $0.88, cents, up 11.4% versus last year's adjusted EPS of $0.79. Cents. The impact of the labor conflict at Jean Coutu impacted last year's EPS by $0.05. Cents. Twelve weeks into fiscal 2022, capital expenditures amounted to $141.5 million. That's up $51.6 million versus last year. And this higher level of capital expenditures is a result of our ongoing investment in the modernization of our supply chain in both provinces and in our retail store network, including in-store technology, as well as the increase in our online capacity. The amount also includes the purchase of a prime real estate property in Ottawa, where we operate a metro store. At the end of the first quarter, we had 360 stores equipped with self-checkouts and 190 stores with electronic shelf labels. So far in fiscal 2022, we opened three new food basics. We also relocated another metro store and carried out measure renovations in three stores, representing a net increase of 76,000 square feet, or 0.4% of our food retail network. On November 19th, we renewed our normal course issuer bid program, sorry, enabling us to repurchase 7 million shares between November 25th, 2021 and November 24th of this year. And as of January 14th, the company had repurchased 650,000 shares for a consideration of 41.2 million, representing an average share price of 63.38. In closing, the board of directors yesterday declared a quarterly dividend of 27.5 cents per share, an increase of 10% versus last year. This is the 28th consecutive year of dividend growth and represents a payout of about 31% of last year's adjusted net earnings. So that's it for me. I'll now turn it over to Eric. Thank you, Francois, and good afternoon, everyone. We are pleased with our strong first quarter results driven by continued sales growth on top of record sales last year and good expense control. On a two-year basis, we delivered sales growth of 7.1%, adjusted EBIT of 15.3%, and adjusted EPS growth of 23.9%, all of which exceed our long-term annual financial targets. Food same-store sales were down 1.4% in the quarter, but up 8.5% when compared to fiscal 2020. Transactions were up in Q1, but are still below 2020. Average basket size was down versus last year, but remains significantly higher than two years ago. For the quarter, our internal food inflation was 3.5%, up from 2% in the prior quarter, driven by the meat and grocery categories. Promotional penetration has increased as consumers manage their budgets in this inflationary environment, and I assure you that our merchandisers are working hard to continue to provide great value to customers in all of our banners. Since the end of the quarter, the spread of the Omicron variant has impacted our operations and those of our suppliers, putting pressure on our supply chain. Our team has worked in collaboration with suppliers to mitigate the impacts, and as more people return to work at our suppliers and in our operations, overall supply chain pressure has started to ease. Turning to pharmacy, comparable sales were up 7.7% with continued solid growth in prescription sales, and front-of-store sales up a strong 8.9%, driven by over-the-counter medications resulting from the stronger cold and flu season, good seasonal merchandise sales, as well as lower sales last year due to the labor conflict. 
Our online grocery sales were flat versus the same quarter last year, but up 167% over two years ago. We continue to deliver against our plan with 185 metro stores now offering click and collect across the provinces of Quebec and Ontario, 14 hub stores offering delivery service, and one dedicated facility in the high-density Montreal market. We have recently launched a two-hour express delivery service on metro.ca in the greater Montreal and Toronto areas, and will roll out the service to more stores in Quebec and Ontario over the coming months. We also started offering the click and collect service in addition to our existing delivery service in pharmacy in mid-November, and now more than 270 pharmacies offer the service across Quebec, Ontario, and New Brunswick. We believe our flexible e-com model positions us well to meet consumer demand as it evolves. Our supply chain projects are progressing well. Productivity in our new produce facility continues to improve. And I'm pleased to announce that we have reached another milestone with the completion of our new fully automated frozen food distribution center in Toronto earlier this month. The transition to the new facility is underway and will gradually ramp up over the next few months. In Quebec, construction of the new fresh and frozen automated facility in Tetban is on track and scheduled for a 2023 opening. Looking ahead, while we can't predict exactly how the pandemic will evolve, we expect in the short term our food sales to remain, to remain relatively flat versus last year, but to compare favorably to pre-pandemic levels. In our pharmacy division, we expect strong comparable sales in the second quarter as we are cycling six weeks of government restrictions on the sale of non-essential goods in Q2 last year. In closing, I invite you to take a look at our 2022-26 Corporate Responsibility Plan unveiled today, which builds on the progress we achieved over the last decade and sets ambitious goals for the company in terms of sustainable development. That's it for me. We'll take your questions. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And if you would like to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, we do ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have any questions. And your first question will be from Ken Tai at ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you and good afternoon. Uh, Eric, I wanted you to provide some insight on how consumer response to inflationary pressures in this cycle has perhaps differed to in past cycles, just given the, the backdrop we're dealing with and some of the complexity we're dealing with. Have you seen you know, less product substitution in these sort of the early stages of inflation ramp? Um, you've spoken to promotional penetration, but any additional insight you can provide would be really useful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like I said in the opening remarks, uh, inflation is uh, uh, higher than normal. It's, it's, it has increased quickly, uh, so, so, so consumers are adjusting their behavior for sure. They are uh, buying more on promotion. They're buying more private label. Um, so there's a bit of a trading down. There's a, a, a shift. I would say back to, to pre-pandemic levels in the discount penetration versus conventional penetration in, in, in the general market. So we, we, we've seen that shift, and uh, the consumers uh, are, are adjusting to the uh, inflationary realities. So, 
Uh, as I pointed out uh, earlier at the AGM, you know, we're working really hard to uh, contain the, those inflationary pressures by offering, offering the best value we can. Uh, the merchandisers, I think, are doing a great job to, uh, to minimize the impact on our consumers in all of our banners. So, uh, you know, watching it closely, uh, uh, clearly uh, uh, an important issue. Thank you. And just one quick follow-up for me. Uh, Francois, you called out to the, the impact on gross margins or sort of the recovery in pharma. Can you provide any more color on the, the drivers there in terms of the uh, gross margin lift that the pharmacy uh, business uh, provided in quarter? Well, as you uh, remember, we, uh, we were comping uh, uh, a labor conflict uh, last year in pharmacy, so obviously that affected sales. Uh, uh, and so uh, combined with a great, uh, great seasonal uh, season OTC program this year, this explains the, uh, the improvement in gross margin in pharmacy. Just to pick up on that, uh, last year during the conflict in, in Q1, we secured uh, deliveries of RX o over commercial merchandise uh, from the warehouse. So that was a priority. It was medications, obviously. So uh, the, sa the sale of, uh, of uh, front-end or commercial merchandise out of our warehouse last year was, was impacted by, those, by the contingency plan. So this year we, we, uh, we, we cycled that. So that clearly benefited gross margin from, from our pharma division. Great. Thanks so much. I'll get back in queue. Thank you. Next question will be from Peter Sklar at BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. Um, uh, Eric and Francois, can you talk a little more in depth about the, the labor situation? Um, you indicated that supply chain is getting a little better. Um, I'm just wondering if you expect it like to like if things are going to get tighter again, given the, uh, you know, the vaccination requirements that Canada recently introduced for truckers. And as well, can you talk about the labor situation in your stores? Just anecdotally, I've been in some stores and it seems there's some big holes in the shelves and, um, you know, it seems to be fewer cashiers. So are you having trouble getting labor in your stores? And, you know, how is that impacting your ability to, to stock the shelves? Do you think you're going to have to curtail store hours and how is all that going to play out thanks okay there's a lot to, a lot to cover there clearly the pandemic has had since the beginning uh, an impact on the supply chain uh, mostly labor shortages uh, across across the chain from our suppliers uh, to logistics providers to ourselves so I would say that uh, there are labor pressures. Uh, they have been there pre-pandemic. They, they, they amplified somewhat in the pandemic, and they clearly amplified when the Omicron variant started to spread in late December. So I would say the last four or five weeks were really tough um, with, the, with the big spike in, in the virus. Uh, we felt it in our operations. Our suppliers felt it. So uh, we, we, we have been challenged for sure, and you have seen some holes. There's no panic in the stores. I think consumers understand what's happening after two years of pandemic. There's no real hoarding, uh, but clearly they, there are more holes than we would like to offer to our customers. Um, working hard on that. So the, the good news is um, the five-day isolation uh, rule for, for, uh, for people in close contact or, or, or with, with the virus is helping to bring people back to work. So. Um, more recently, we've seen uh, more people come back uh, in, in our shop and, and at our suppliers. So we're, we're trying to get uh, to a better position, which has started to, to happen. So I, I, I think the worst is behind us, but with this virus, you never know. So um, you know, we, we keep a close eye on it. Uh, so 
getting getting merchandise, uh, stocking our shelves, clearly uh, a big priority, and, and uh, working in that direction. As far as labor in our stores, um, the pandemic uh, affected an uh, increased absenteeism for sure, um, but we, we we have labor challenges as an industry, and we're addressing them. We're uh, recruiting as best we can. We're uh, installing technology in our stores with self-checkouts to uh, to uh, mitigate the impact of. Uh, uh, not finding cashiers uh, for certain shifts, but uh, overall, I think we're managing it pretty well. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, clearly, uh, it, it's been tough, like I said, the last few weeks, but we think it's it's going to get better. On the vaccination of truckers, um, it's it's having or, or will have mostly an inflationary impact on the cost of uh, merchandise coming in from the U.S., produce especially. Uh, we, we saw an uptick in, in, in the transportation costs uh, right away, but we're getting the merchandise, um, so our, our transportation providers are able to service us for the most part. There's always exceptions, but for the most part, we're, we're getting the merchandise, but uh, there's an inflationary issue that comes with that, with that requirement. So it's a, it's a challenge, but uh, I, I think we're uh, we're um, working really hard. I, I think our teams are doing, uh, under the circumstances, uh, pretty good job uh, to provide our customers uh, the best uh, experience that we can. And uh, we, we uh, look forward to uh, improving uh, our in-stock position. Yeah. Sorry for That's the That's a thorough answer. answer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Your next question will be from Irene Natel at RBC. Please go ahead. Thanks and good morning. Uh, sorry, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I don't think we've quite beat this horse from every angle yet. So um, I was wondering about um, sort of merchandising and promotional strategies. And I'm thinking here, Eric, about the flyer and the challenges in putting together the flyer when you don't know what you're going to get necessarily and, and you don't know how much you're going to get. So can you just talk a little bit about um, sort of the, the key skill sets that your guys have that really make a difference in this kind of environment or, you know, whether we should just expect to see kind of thinner flyers? Uh, our flyers are not thinner than uh, they, they were, and we're, we're working hard to provide a, a, as many promotions uh, as we did before. I said pr pr penetration is increasing uh, of the flyer uh, uh, in recent weeks. With, the, with more inflation, we're seeing an increased penetration. So, uh, no, we have no intention of cutting promotions. We're working with our suppliers to see what product can be featured and when. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes. Uh, again, there are some hits and misses in there, and sometimes we don't get the product we're supposed to get, or we get it uh, late so that uh, we're not uh, in stock as much as we'd like to be in our stores. But, again, it's, it's, it's unusual, extraordinary circumstances. The peak in, in Omicron uh, clearly had an impact, but uh, I, I think the worst is behind us, and um, I think our merchandisers have enough experience to work with the, with the suppliers to, uh, to provide a, a good commercial offer with uh, great value to our customers. That's great. Thank you, Eric. That's really helpful. And then I was really interested in your commentary around the return of traffic to discount. So, you know, if you think back to previous inflationary cycles like this, do you think we're kind of at imbalance now or as close to imbalance as in terms of what we should be expecting discount versus conventional? Yeah, so the, the shift back to discount, uh, you know, I, I, 
think it was expected and was was normal and I think a little higher inflation has uh, perhaps uh, accelerated it a little bit but as we all know during uh, the, the first phase or the most part of the pandemic uh, conventional supermarkets community supermarkets benefited with the one-stop shop and, and did well so we all expected that to revert back to discount at some point and I think we're there Yep. Thanks so much. Thank you. Next question will be from Mark Petrie at CIBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Good afternoon. Um, with the trade down that you're seeing, Eric, I'm just wondering if there are certain categories that do better or worse, or if it's just sort of trading around within categories. And I guess maybe I'm thinking specifically about prepared foods and HMR. It's obviously more expensive than you know consumers preparing themselves, but cheaper option than restaurants. Just curious what you're seeing um, in that part of the store. Yeah, well, there's, uh, there's, ups, there's ups and downs everywhere. But, you know, I would say prepared foods in general are, are up versus last year. So we're, we're, uh, I, I don't consider that necessarily a trading down um, or trading up. It's just revert, reverting back to more normal levels. Uh, in the fresh meat category, because of certain really high uh, cost increases, uh, our, our promotional strategy, our merchandising strategy was adjusted with uh, different cuts of meat, uh, lower price cuts of meat sometimes, so some trading down uh, just with our promotional mix is happening. So um, things like that happen, private label in grocery, frozen in dairy, uh, you know, does well in times like this. So. That's all contributing to uh, what's happening at the till and uh, in line with the inflation that uh, we're seeing. Okay, great. And um, uh, I'm just wondering how, you know, the, the sort of challenges of accelerated inflation are different uh, in your pharmacy business, uh, front store, uh, if at all, than in the food business. I know there's obviously a structural difference just with regards to the business model, but um, commentary about 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 inflation in in pharmacy versus uh, grocery, please. We're not seeing uh, as high uh, inflation in, in health and beauty uh, products uh, that we sell most, mostly in our pharmacies. There is inflation, but at more nor more more normal levels in the, in, in the two percent range or so. So it's clearly the the, the the spike is more on the food side. So uh, I would call the inflation levels or trends in pharma pretty normal. Okay, thanks. And then just one follow-up, Francois. Sorry, I know you don't normally comment on the segmented um, uh, results specifically, um, but and apologies if I missed this in the comments. You were talking about the benefit from the um, from the growth in pharmacy on gross margins, but could you just comment about the gross margin um, performance in the food business specifically? Was it was it stable or, or up or down? Could you could you give us any indication? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, well, it was slightly down. So I want to, I'll leave it at that. Um, but it was slightly down. So in this inflationary, uh, with the inflationary pressure that we're facing, uh, we did not uh, pass all of it. 
Understood. Understood. Thanks very much, guys, and all the best. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Next question will be from Michael Van Elst at TD Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Um, wanted to ask about e-commerce, and you know, when we looked at the, the trend a year ago, uh, we saw the, the the volume ramping up as we got into the winter months, uh, and you know, so the growth rate was much higher in the winter months last year. So, you just said that it was flat essentially in the uh, in the first quarter. Are you seeing it ramping up again in the second quarter, or because if not, I'd assume that would mean it would be trending lower year over year. So yes, we're seeing an uptick in uh, e-com demand and e-com sales uh, basically since Christmas or after Christmas. I think a lot has to do with the uh, uh, government uh, measures announced and the closures of restaurants and the, the uh, stay-at-home uh, restrictions. I won't call it a full lockdown, but it's, uh, it feels like it. So uh, um, uh, with this rapid spread of Omicron, I think a lot of people uh, are stayed home and uh, went, went back online or went online. So, yeah, we're seeing, we have seen the uptick uh, for sure in online. Um, we that, that sort of coincided with the rollout of our click and collect uh, uh, offer in, in food at Metro Quebec and Metro Ontario. So uh, we worked hard over the last, you know, the summer and, and fall to roll it out. And, uh, you know, volume has clearly picked up uh, since Christmas in click and collect. So... That was that was timely. Same thing in pharmacy. We rolled it out to click and collect, and that's that's uh, also ramping up. Okay, so would you say that it's ramping up enough to be to show growth year over year, or is it still kind of flat? Well, the quarter is not finished, and I don't want to give you a guidance, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it feels like it, it should go up. Okay, and uh, so you talked about the COVID costs as well. Um, I'd assume they were relatively stable in Q1, but um, in Q2, you announced another gift card. Uh, so is it the same amount, that $8 million or so, that we saw the last time it was uh, provided to employees? Yes, it is. Yeah, well, yeah. We announced it last week. Uh, you know, we did it three times last year. We felt uh, last week it was the right time, the right thing to do this year after a the last few weeks that I just described uh, in enough detail, it's been very challenging for our people, and they've done a great job, so we thought it was the right thing to do. So it's $8 million, yes. Okay, and, and apart from that, uh, has the surge in Omicron required you to uh, spend more in other types of COVID costs, or is, it, is that stable right now? Stable. Perfect. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Middle. Thank you. Next question will be from Vishal Sridhar at National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, just related to the uh, the um, the in-stock positions uh, that you have in your in your different banner types, conventional and discount, are they impacting one banner more than another? No, uh, you know we service our stores from the same warehouses in in Quebec and in, in Ontario. The general uh, in stock position is similar between uh, between all of our food banners. Okay, and would the same comment apply for labor shortages, given the smaller uh, labor number at uh, at uh, discount stores? Are you are you finding you're more understaffed there? 
Well, it's all a question of proportions. As a, as a percentage of employees, uh, the, the staff missing is pretty similar. Uh, there's, like you say, less services in a discount store, so you can you can you can absorb uh, absenteeism a little better in, in a discount format. Um, but it's it's also a challenge there. So, um, you know, as I said earlier, as, as uh, people return back to work uh, following the peak of Omicron. Um, we will be in a position to uh, fill our shelves better and uh, offer a, offer a, a, a better experience to our customers. Okay. And with respect to your conventional banners, have, have uh, labor shortages placed pressure on some of your service uh, service counters? And and, were, and if so, did that impact margins in the quarter? I wouldn't say it impacted our margin, but you know, at a granular level in store X, Y, Z, they may have cut hours in the deli or prepared foods. You know, so in general terms, uh, there could be a, some reduction of hours in certain departments, which could have impacted margin in that store. But overall, for the company and the numbers we're reporting to you, um, I, I wouldn't call that one out. Okay. And um, with respect to the variety of investments that uh, Metro is making, either through its, uh, its uh, uh, supply chain investments or its store investments like the shelf tags or the self-checkouts, um, are, are the, is, the, is the inflation and the, and the labor pressure that Metro is seeing uh, curtailing the, the, the rate at which Metro can make investments and delaying projects? No. Uh, our capital program is... Uh Staying, staying uh, constant, and you know you're, you're familiar with our supply chain projects. We our capex for retail uh, renovations in new stores is pretty similar year to year, and uh, the technology budgets are part of that for stores. So no, I, I, the inflationary uh, situation is is not impacting our capex. Although you know some of these construction costs are very high these days, and we're looking at every project before we invest on, on a renovation. Um, especially you know, sizable renovations, we, we make sure uh, the numbers work out because construction costs are a much bigger factor. Okay, and, and lastly, maybe you can just uh, provide some extra color on, on the um, the Toronto Fresh DC and, and the level of performance it's at, and the uh, the automated frozen DC. So the automated uh, frozen DC just started. We turned uh, basically the the operation on. Uh, this past week, we're, so we're piloting some stores out of that DC uh, last week, just started, so we're gonna do more and more stores uh, every week, so we see a, pro a process of four to five months, the shorter the better, but we'll, we'll do what we have to do to do it properly, uh, to transition from the old freezer to the new freezer. Uh, that takes uh, some time, um, but I think we're in a, good, in a good position since it's the second one we're doing. Uh, and I'm confident that uh, the transition will, will go well. It's, it's a lot of work, uh, especially in the midst of a pandemic. So not easy work, but uh, it's going to get done. The produce, um, uh, I said in my remarks, uh, productivity is improving. So, you know, we're adjusting systems and processes and schedules and everything. So we're working with our uh, unionized employees and, and with Vitron, our technology partner, to optimize. So. Again, big project, a lot of change management, but going in the right direction, and, and I'm pleased with the improvement, certainly over the last uh, few months. Uh, we have room to grow. We're, we're, we're never happy. We want it to, to, to be better, and uh, I'm confident that it will continue to improve. Thank you. Thank you. 
As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do wish to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. And your next question will be from Patricia Baker at Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you very much. Most of my major questions have been asked, but I do have a few minor ones. So firstly, with respect to the supply chain disruptions and where you've seen the holds, uh, are they are they primarily in the grocery category, or are they also in the fresh category? Are they, you know, is there is there a, fo- a, a focus on where those holds are, where you're seeing the shortages? Yeah, groceries. Uh, grocery uh, is an issue because there's a, there's more variety basically in, in, in center store, and that's that's the biggest issue. We're we're getting product. Mm-hmm. People can fill out their order. But clearly, there's our SKUs missing, there's variety missing, there could be sizes missing. As, as our suppliers are adjusting their production, uh, given their constraints, we, we don't offer the, necessarily the full variety in, in our center store. So that's grocery, dairy, frozen, those categories, uh, you tend to see a little more holes than you would see uh, in, in our fresh departments. Okay, thank you. And then I have two questions that are specific to Quebec. Now, in your outlook, uh, when you discussed your outlook for uh, pharmacy sales, you did mention that you expect that the rapid, the distribution of the rapid test, could be uh, a nice tailwind for pharmacy in the near term. And at the out, on the outset, outset in Quebec, it was pretty chaotic. That distribution, uh, not necessarily from you guys, but from uh, the government getting them to uh, where they were going to be distributed. Has that uh, uh, kind of calmed down and become more orderly? Uh, getting better as we get more quantities and more supply. So, so the government, for those who are not in Quebec, uh, uh, put the, put the distribution, free distribution of rapid tests in the hands of the community pharmacies, and every community pharmacies was basically getting 108 uh, kits a day. Uh, so that's uh, not many kits for uh, for uh, for for many pharmacies, especially as Jean Coutu. Uh, which have large volumes, so uh, that, that caused a lot of frustration early on. Uh, people lining up and uh, trying to get online, so it, it was uh, it was hectic, it was chaotic, like you said. Um, it's getting better as, as supply has increased. We, we we would like to have more, and I think uh, the government will be in a position to supply more. So um, it's getting it's better every week, but it, it wasn't easy. Okay, so we've, another thing exclusive to Quebec, uh, Eric, is the fact for the last three Sundays, uh, the grocery stores have not been allowed to open. Um, you know, it was only it was only three Sundays, but I'm still curious what what you might have seen there in terms of consumer behavior. Did you see people, uh, you know, reverting more to online, uh, you know, because of that on those days? Did you see a bigger uptick in the Saturday, or, or was or was there just not any discernible difference? No, it was uh, it, it was another uh, element that made our life uh, more complicated for sure. So uh, the three Sundays are now behind us. Uh, it, we were open this past Sunday, but the three previous mm-hmm. Sundays we were closed in, in, in food, not in pharmacy, but in food. So yes, uh, most of the volume transfers to the Saturday or the Monday it puts pressure uh, on, on other days in an environment where we had supply chain issues that we've talked about uh, at length today. It, it, it made it made it it made it more complicated. So uh, it, it was a challenge. It's behind us, and um, move move on. 
Yeah, let's hope it stays behind you. And then just lastly, a slight clarification. So you talked about discount uh, reverting back, uh, you know, reverting back. We're getting more shoppers in the discount box. So when you say revert back, so what you're referring to there is that we're back more or less to the normal levels that we saw pre-pandemic as opposed to heightened or elevated levels. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm referring to. And, again, at Metro, we, we, we have a, a good portfolio of banners with a discount and a significant discount presence in both Quebec and Ontario. We have Adonis also. And Metro provides great value. So I think we're well-positioned um, to serve all, all, all customers. And, uh, yeah, so uh, the, the discount rever reverting back is, is a market, I think, phenomenon, and we're well-positioned to capture it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Next question will be from Chris Lee at Desjardins. Please go ahead. Oh, hi, good afternoon. Um, Eric, I know there are many moving parts, and, and you don't have a crystal ball, but just wondering, can you share with us some of the major puts and takes that you see impacting gross margin? For the year, um, do you believe you know stable margin is a reasonable expectation, or do you see some downside risk because of um, the inability to fully pass on all the cost increases um, at the retail level? Thank you. Um, yeah, well, that's a that, that's a hard one, uh, and you're right. I don't have a crystal ball. I do know that uh, we're getting uh, cost increases. We're getting uh, more increases. Uh, this time of year than uh, we usually do. It's usual in our industry in food to get uh, cost increases uh, uh, late January, early February. So in, in the next uh, days and weeks, there, there's, a, there's a significant amount of products that will have cost increases. So how, how much of that will be reflected at retail? We will be very competitive. We, we monitor prices everywhere, uh, and we intend to remain uh, competitive. So I think there's, there's, there could be some risk short-term to gross margin rate as, uh, those, as those cost increases come in and uh, if we can uh, pass them on uh, at retail. So it typically takes, takes a bit of time. So that we've been there before and we've managed through it before, but um, it's something, it's, it's, it's a watch out for sure uh, on the gross margin. Other than those cost increases, which, which is a key, key element, I think we're, we're confident in our, in our in our strategy, um, our merchandisers uh, on the fresh side, <clears throat> I think are, are, are going to do a good job, and I think we, we, we can deliver a margin. And the diversification with pharmacy, I think, is another helpful element. We saw it in this quarter. So overall, I think we're confident to, uh, that we can we can deliver uh, good good gross margin numbers, but it's uh, it's competitive. Okay, that, that's helpful. And maybe specifically. How, how big of a contributor has the increase in private label sales to the gross margin uh, in a quarter or in, in the last couple of quarters? Has it, has it been a notable contributor or, or not really? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a key contributor overall, always. Uh, you know, with, with the uptick, you know, pen, private label penetration is doing well. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're seeing the same in our gross margin. I, I wouldn't call it out as a as a big difference in the gross margin that we're reporting, but it, clearly it's a contributor. But the supply chain issues that we talked about affect private label too. Uh, some suppliers are, are, are in, in uh, difficult positions there too, and we're not getting all the merchandises we need sometimes in, in private label. So it, it, it plays out everywhere, even in private label. Okay, thank you for that. And maybe just a one for Francois. 
I apologize if you disclosed this already, but what, what was the uh, COVID expenses that were incurred during the quarter? Yeah, Chris, uh, as we said on the last call, we're no longer uh, reporting on COVID expenses. Uh, one, they, you know, they're coming down versus the peak, obviously, and two, it's, it's the, the line between a COVID and non-COVID expense is uh, blurring uh, uh, quite a bit. It's just part of our normal uh, normal uh, operating expenses now, so we're no longer uh, specifically tracking that number and, 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 and reporting it as such because it's it's uh, not as clear-cut as, as it was before. So uh, that's what we indicated on the last call. Okay, that's fair. But I guess suffice to say, given that you guys did call out, I think, over $100 million of expenses, last year, um, based on your early comment that it's been sort of sta stabilizing, we should expect that to be a, a fairly good tailwind in terms of a reduction in expenses, you know, through, throughout the year. Or, but yeah, some, you know, some, some, uh, but some departments that were open uh, post-pandemic or when, when restrictions were easing uh, have more labor and services. So it was not a dollar for dollar, but yeah, the purity of the peak of COVID expense of, of last year, that, that's, we don't expect that to, to be repeated. Okay, great. Thank you, and all the best. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions, please press star followed by one on your touchdown phone. And your next question will be from Mark Petrie at CIBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Just a, a quick follow-up, Eric. You already spoke about the relative demand and traffic you're seeing in e-commerce um, you know, with, with the Omicron wave. I'm just curious, though, with the pickup in inflation, does that affect how people shop online at all, either in terms of basket size, or are you seeing the same sort of increase in, in promo penetration in the online business as well? It's similar. Um, yeah, I, I, I would not call out notable differences uh, of buying behavior online versus uh, versus in store uh, with, with the Omicron var uh, variant. Um, Sizable basket, uh, you know, margins are, uh, it's a good basket, it's a good customer, and uh, we want to service them where, however they want to shop. But I wouldn't call out a big difference there. Okay, so, so, the, same, so the same variances as, as sort of before inflation kind of accelerated, you know, remain in place. Right. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. And at this time, we have no further questions. Please proceed. Thank you all for your interest in Metro, and we will speak again soon to discuss our second quarter results on April 20. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. At this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards.
cards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.